This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. Here's something to think about. Just about one year ago, give or take a couple of days, the U.S. Supreme Court had a series of decisions handed down that really were some of the most impactful in the country's history. Every Supreme Court decision is important, but last year, boy, did we have some game changers on some issues. Where do we go from here? I'm Mike Ferguson. Thank you for staying with us here on American Viewpoints. I've got Jeremy Dice from the First Liberty Institute. And Jeremy, it was about a year ago that we were chatting about your case regarding Coach Kennedy. That's what everybody refers to it as the Coach Kennedy case. And it was a religious freedom case that you all won. And Coach Kennedy had to be reinstated in his position because they ruled that his religious freedom was violated because he was doing a voluntary prayer on a football field after ball games. And a lot of people may think, well, why is that a national precedent setting decision? But when you look back at back at it over the last 12 months, what really is the message legally and otherwise for the country since that decision? Well, I think the bottom line up front here is that we are more free today than we have been in most people who are listening today, most of our lifetimes. That's a remarkable thing. You know, I turned 45 this summer, and it was about that same time when the case came down from the Supreme Court that drastically threatened the uh, the public expression of faith in the in the public square of the United States, that, that, that restricted the free exercise of religion when the Constitution says that it's not supposed to be that way. That, but that's what we've been living under. So for my whole lifetime, we've been living under the, this dark cloud of suspicion when it comes to religion in the public square. And so there's been lawyers for generations now, uh, in, now including to mine, that have been working to go back to what the Constitution actually provides, which is the robust protection of the free exercise of religion. Uh, and with Coach Kennedy's case, that case, which was called Lemon, that case is now dead. And if there's any concern about it, just look at Justice Sotomayor's dissent in that case, where she says that Lemon is overturned. And so that case is no more. It holds no more sway. And yet, we have lived for so long underneath that standard that any time religion would come into, public, into the public square, whether that's Coach Kennedy taking a knee in prayer or you know, opening your meetings of public prayer, or a, a cross-shaped Veterans Memorial on uh, a courthouse lawn, or the Ten Commandments posted somewhere, uh, we would immediately think that that was wrong, and that that's uh, against the Constitution. At least that's what a lot of people have taught us to believe, but that's not true. It wasn't true before 1978, and it's not true today either, and it shouldn't be true in the future. So We've done our job now of opening back up that constitutional promise of protecting the free exercise of religion. It's now key to everybody else who's listening to go do their job. It falls to us to go to, uh, to, to govern the, the country that we own. Uh, and, and look, if there's been a monument that's taken down, that's been taken down because of the so-called separation of church and state, you should be asking your leaders to put it back up. And if they say no, they need to come and talk to us about it. Uh, if, if you're a football coach and you've been uh, wanting to pray on the field by yourself, now's the time to take a knee in prayer. Uh, coach Kennedy is going to be back on the sidelines this fall, and you're going to see after the game he's going to get down on one knee and take a, prayer, take, a, take a knee in silent prayer for 15 or 30 seconds. That should be unsurprising except for the fact that it's been 45 years since we've been able to do that without fearing another lawsuit. Jeremy, a lot of people thought, you know, the questions of faith – in culture and the role of faith in kind of our civic life is one thing, but this was a separate matter regarding faith in government. Are they related? 
Well, I mean, they're related in the sense that they're in the same country, but it seems as if we're from two different planets when we're talking about this. The, the founding fathers would be shocked and agog that we're, we're, we're worried about a guy taking a knee in private prayer. I mean, goodness sakes, the General George Washington took a knee in prayer outside of Valley Forge, at least that's what tradition tells us, right? I mean, this was something that was unsurprising, that the commander-in-chief of the Continental Army would seek to express his reliance upon holy God in the middle of a battle or right before one, uh, and yet we get upset about a football coach in Bremerton, Washington, taking a knee in silent prayer by himself. That, 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 that's absurd. Look, if Coach Kennedy's case had not come down the way it did, what we, what we would have been witnessing would have been a, a, an onslaught against religion, right? You would have been having uh, Jewish uh, teachers having to leave their kippah in their car, or they'd have to put their crucifix for Catholic teachers in their pocket. Uh, Muslim teachers would have had to take off the headscarf. You know, all these things would have been removed lest they would have been fired for public expressions of re- religion. Yet that's exactly what the other side had been advocating for in Coach Kennedy's case. Thank goodness that's gone. And now we can be, you know, people of faith, and we can be people of faith in public without fear of retribution. What's concerning to me is not, you know, thankfully, we're, we're kind of past all this stuff that we've had for the last 45 years. Now we get to kind of unwind it and, and live it out. I've been really concerned in the past year, though, especially post-Dobbs, about how this anti-religious hostility has been worked against people of faith that advocate for a religious point of view when it comes to life. Uh, and we've had to step up there as well to protect a variety of organizations that are just seeking to to, to, to provide you know, diapers and baby formula to moms facing an unexpected pregnancy. We're visiting with Jeremy Dice from the First Liberty Institute. And Jeremy, as, as of the time you and I are having this conversation right now, uh, you've got um, another uh, set of cases in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, we don't know when those are going to be handed down or what the decisions are going to be made, but what's, what's the next case that everybody should really be paying attention to when it comes to religious freedom? Yeah, the big one to come down is Groff versus DeJoy. And Gerald Groff was a postal worker who uh, grew up in rural Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Uh, he grew up in sort of a Mennonite tradition. His grandmother was a Mennonite, so he kind of learned the importance of the Sabbath. And they took that day very seriously. So every Sunday they'd go to church, they would spend time together as a family, and they would rest from their worldly labors. They would spend the entire day together uh, not going to work. And so when it came time for his career, he wanted to find something that would honor his ability to honor the Sabbath. And what better place to have done that than the place that was not open on Sundays, the Postal Service, right? I'm not talking Chick-fil-A. We're talking about the Postal Service here, right? So he went went to work for the Postal Service. It was going to be a great career for him until Amazon bought a contract that says he has to work on Sundays. Well, he tried to avoid that by taking a downgrade, a, 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 a losing a lot of seniority and shifting over to a different post office that didn't quite require that yet until it did. Uh, and long story short, it took about a year's time to develop, but he was disciplined multiple times. I mean, about eight different times, I think, had, had uh, disciplinary interviews, had two different letters of warning to put into his file. He served two different suspensions. And ultimately, it was quit or be fired, and he chose to just simply quit and then turned around and sued the Postal Service for it. The question in the case is this. Uh, Does a company, does the law require a company to accommodate a person's religious beliefs, even if doing so is basically going to cost them nothing? There's, There's been another case that's been around since about as long as I've been alive that has said that, well, look, if it costs you just more than a de minimis, just a very teeny little tiny bit, the company doesn't have to worry about it. But it's a standard that has been applied only in that context. In the same language we've used in like the Americans with Disabilities Act, for instance, we have a much more tolerant view towards 
uh, accommodation, and that we have to do so unless it caused significant expense or, uh, I forgot the second part of that phrase, but significant cost or expense, that's what it is. Uh, and, and that's exactly what we're asking for here. Look, accommodate people of faith in the workplace. We should have a country that welcomes people of faith in the workplace, tolerating their religious beliefs and where they're able to to be able to accommodate them to to uh, maintain their um, uh, their responsibilities before a holy God. That, that could have been done in this case. It was done before uh, uh, the, the Amazon contract got put into place for uh, the Postal Service. It can be done again here in Coach or in uh, uh, Gerald Groff's case. So be looking out for that case. That's going to have a, a pretty significant impact on the American workforce. Okay, and there are others, obviously, that you're working on as well that we don't have time to get into as well. But uh, people want to get in touch with you at the First Liberty Institute. I know website, a lot of social media. What's the best way to be in touch? Because I think for Jeremy, a lot of people would say either you're religious or not, this is one of the foundational freedoms that we have in the country. Yeah, absolutely. Firstliberty.org will take you to all of our cases and let you know all we're doing. And look, if you're one of those people that have run into this issue that has become a concern for you, or perhaps, like I mentioned before, you want to put a Ten Commandments monument back up on your courthouse square, Go ask for help on our request for legal help page. We'd be happy to help you. And the good news is, if we do, just like we did for Coach Kennedy and Gerald Groff, we don't charge you anything. We, we do it for free. So go to firstliberty.org to learn more. And you're also all over the social media platforms as well, right? That's right, yeah. On, on Twitter and social, first at First Liberty on, on uh, Twitter and uh, First Liberty on Facebook. All right, Jeremy Dice, First Liberty Institute. Thanks again for being back on the program with the update. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, it used to be just assumed that we understood our fundamental rights in the United States because we all had a civics class. If the civics classes are failing our students, what does that mean for our society later on? We're talking about that just ahead right here on American Viewpoints.